Before we get into today's podcast with photographer Jesse Reeser, I wanted to tell you about a new file transfer tool I've been using lately called PicDrop. PicDrop is a file transfer tool that was designed by photographers with photographers' needs in mind. With PicDrop, you can easily drag and drop your files and create private galleries to share with your clients. Your clients can easily make selections, give feedback, and download your photos via computer or mobile device. I've been using PicDrop for a while and really enjoy how easy it is to upload my files and access them on the go via my laptop or phone. For a while, I was using uh, old, outdated platforms like Dropbox and WeTransfer, but with PicDrop, they really understand what photographers need and have really helped kind of streamline my workflow. And with today's podcast, if you sign up at PicDrop.com, you'll receive three free months of the PicDrop uh, image transfer tool by entering the promo code PHOTOBANTER, one word, when you sign up at PicDrop.com. Um, so definitely go give it a try and let me know what you guys think. And just remember to enter the promo code PHOTOBANTER, one word, when you sign up at PicDrop.com. And without further ado, we'll now get into the uh, today's podcast interview with photographer Jesse Reeser. Thanks so much and take care. Welcome to the PHOTOBANTER podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gagne. And on today's podcast, I speak with photographer Jesse Reeser. Jesse has worked with clients such as ESPN, Coca-Cola, Esquire, the NBA, and Adidas, to name a few. In this interview, I speak to Jesse about his recent cover shoot with NBA player Devin Booker for ESPN Magazine. I also speak to Jesse about his approach to assignment work and how he balances the worlds of art and commerce. I've always enjoyed Jesse's use of color in his photographs, so I was excited to get a chance to speak with him about his recent project titled Phoenix, a dystopian Legoland that tastes like candy, which is a series of urban landscape photos and portraits that utilize color and space in a unique way. Jesse's, uh, Jesse brings a wealth of knowledge and experience in the photographic industry, so I was pumped to get a chance to speak with him about his journey with photography. So I hope you enjoy, and thanks so much for listening. All right, Jesse Reeser, uh, welcome to the podcast, man. Excited to have you. A lot of people have requested you over the years. Uh, my first question, though, man, who designed your website, man? Because I think your website might be the, the best design photo website I've ever seen, dude. It's incredible. Oh, wow. Thank you. Um, you know, that that was a very lengthy process. So uh, me and my brother uh, sort of designed it, and then um, I had a programmer build it. It took about two and a half years to to work everything out. Yeah, man, because this the whole design, the colors, you could tell there's just a lot of thought put into it. And I like how you broke it on the top. You have like different categories, like portrait, editorial, advertising. All the filters, yeah. yeah. So the, the color thing, you know, that was one thing that, you know, when I think about my work and just sort of like the personality of, of sort of that visual communication mm -hmm. was wanting to do something that felt sort of like reflective of the images, right? Like colorful, clean, a little bit playful, but also there's a lot of work. So it's a nice way to like get through it quickly. You can do the vertical scroll or the the one-to-one -one image and, and it's, yeah, I'm super happy with it. Yeah, it was great, man. And Thanks, uh, yeah, looking at your website, are, are you based in Phoenix, Arizona? Yeah, based in Phoenix. Have you always been based out there or? No, so I was, um, I went to school here and then I'm originally from the Midwest. Okay. Uh, and then I was in LA for years and then I was going back and forth between here and New York. Um, and then with 
COVID, just sort of been here hanging out. That's awesome. Which is which has been all right. I mean, there's a lot of interesting work that comes through here, which is good. Um, but you know, one thing that you know for me, there's always a lot of travel involved. So like a lot of people, like the corporate mandates of local crews and things has been somewhat of a disadvantage and then somewhat advantageous. So it's sort of just touch and go, you know, like everything sort of the last 12 months. Yeah, because that's like something I always in, interested in talking to people about because, you know, a lot of people moved to New York, they moved to L.A., like being that you've lived in, a, sounds like a bunch of these different cities. Like, do you think you need to live in one of these bigger cities to like have a successful photography career? Or what, what's your perspective at this I, point? I think it depends on the work you're doing, right? Like if you're doing entertainment work, obviously the majors are, are great for that. Um, I, I think it's less important. I think that there's, especially like if it depends on if you're, I think if you're an editorial shooter, right? Like over the years, I think it's less and less opportunities with dwindling budgets to be flown and, and to, to travel um, with those expenses. So, you know, I feel editorially that there's a lot of sort of like regionally local talent, but people are so spread out now that, you know, and obviously we're super connected. Um, I, I don't, it's always a, a tough question because I do think that you can do the work that you want to do. You know, one thing being here, I think is hard is that sometimes there's a lack of like resources. If you're, you know, really producing some new, new work, depending on like portfolio work, right? Like you may not have the best access to like stylist and, and gear and stuff. The the I mean, gear's fine. It, it's really just like, like other collaboratives that you want to work with at the level that you're aiming to yeah. sort of have that push and pull with. Um, but LA's close. So that's nice because, you know, going back and forth, it's, I mean, it's a six hour drive. It's a 40 minute flight. So um, it, it just kind of works out. Yeah, definitely. I think at the end of the day, if you have badass work, people are going to recognize it no matter where you're at, pretty much. At least that's my perspective. I think so, too. I mean, I think there's always sort of a perception. I think it's less now than it used to be of, of you know, oh, you live here. That means sort of right. Like it, it brings this level of validity. But I don't know. I, I think that's becoming less and less of a thing. And actually, after COVID, too, I mean, so many people are moving here because they wanted space and it's somewhat cheaper than California. Yeah. So you're just seeing, I mean, the amount of people, peers of mine that left the city and went west or went down to Miami or Austin. That's awesome. Was, was really, it was really crazy. And I'm curious to see if people move back to, to New York after all of this sort of the dust settles. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, definitely. It's interesting. And you've been doing a cool project. I, don't, I forget when you started, but it's called Phoenix, a dystopian Lego land. <laughs> uh, how did that kind of come all together? What was that project all about for you? So a lot of the work that I make for myself sometimes doesn't necessarily translate well for like commercial applications. Yeah. Um, so this was a conversation me and um, the agents that I had prior to Anderson Hopkins based off of um, the success of the retail work I was doing, the changing landscape of American retail. And it was these very sort of like celebratory images of like, failing malls or the new um, server centers or whatever that's, you know, utilized for Amazon. And it was these very kind of colorful graphic spaces. Mm -hmm. We're like, well, let's, let's take some of these ideas and push sort of conceptual portraiture in those colorful suburban settings, right? Um, 
and and that's that's kind of where this was this derived from was you know doing the work the sensibilities I like with light and color and, and shape but then pushing these sort of like conceptual portraits and marrying the two yeah it's really interesting like your work it seems like you put you definitely put a lot of thought into like the colors and uh how what colors you're going to use especially like this like it's like like how does a shot we're looking at this interesting portrait of this guy he's standing against an orange wall and he's throwing this green jacket like do you did this photo yeah. do, you start, do you start with the location and then kind of build out like your color scheme from there like I, that, no, that's a good question. I mean, I think like when I think about the work and the way that my brain sort of operates in this, like creating this visual language is it's, it's, a, mari it's a marriage of observational sort of documentarian work that like my background was sort of founded on and reacting to a space and then having this level of sort of construction um, and, and, and really sort of marrying those two ideas, right? Like letting a space sort of give you those ideas and then sort of construct around it rather than just starting with like a blank slate. Like I know I'm not the best, like say studio photographer with just a, a blank slate. Like I like to have some sort of outside influence to sort of get the ball rolling. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, definitely. And that's just like from years, just knowing sort of what my strengths and my weaknesses are. I just need like a little bit of an idea and then just go from there. Yeah, and with this too, yeah, with this too, it's just like in, in a lot of the work has sort of this level of curiosity and sort of this strangeness and a level of these sort of surrealistic touches, um, but also like using color and, and, and light as these ingredients um, and sort of the larger, I, I would say, recipe. Yeah, because this is great. Going back to the website thing, I'm really geeking on it. Like you <laughs> have this picture here and then the layering behind it, you can tell it's like you, the, you thought out the picture that's kind of behind it and the color scheme that kind of went with it. Yeah, so that's, so, you know, not to get too into the weeds about the website, but, but that is a, a kind of a time consuming thing is that I color code each frame because you wow. see those rollovers that are coming through. Yeah. So I like have to assign hex numbers. So every time I update a new series, it's like, all right, I got to get in here and, and figure out where these colors are going to, I mean, it's fun to dork out. It's just, it's time, right? It's a resource that you're, you're devoting to something that you don't necessarily have to, but I think it's a nice thoughtful touch. That's interesting. Are you like a OCD, like organized person generally, or? Fuck, I'm not, dude. Right. I mean, the, organiza the organization I have is just sort of like learned behavior through the years of just like things not working and just, you know, trying to <laughs> mitigate frustration down the road. That's interesting. You know what I mean? My brain doesn't, isn't super organized. It's like full of ideas and uh, it's just getting things in such an organized manner is, is, is sometimes hard for me. That's why like people talk about like working with reps or production companies. I mean, that's why for me, it's always so helpful to have sort of that, like really, like let me be the ideas person and, and execute and then have people that's like super organized in a very granular sense. Yeah, And that's why I like those marriages work. I mean. Yeah, your work's interesting because you strike this interesting balance of like, like that wired assignment, I forget it's like on the thing about guns or something, and it's very more like reportagey. But then you you'll go do this Devin Booker shoot where it's a stylized thing. Like, how do you kind of balance that? Do you view it as like two different like arms or like because it is sometimes I feel like at least 
in this business, it seems like you, a lot of people think you need to like just focus on our one thing, but like wow. you, you kind of bounce between multiple, multiple worlds or styles, I guess. Yeah. You know, it's tough. I, I would say that I agree with you. Like, I think, I, I think if I were to sort of dissect like the work I make and if I was maybe like two or three different people broken out of what I do, I would just be doing that one thing and be very busy at it all the time. So I, th you know, one thing that I, I always try to sort of preach is that even if the subject matter can vary, there's something that's happening within each image that like, you know, is mine, right? And it's, it's maybe not just say the color or some of those really formalistic components of the composition, but it's also like, you know, there's, there's usually a level of playfulness and humor, but there's also this sort of level of curiosity. You're sort of wondering what's happening outside of the frame, um, you know, and, and I've worked really hard to sort of achieve that. So where, you know, like when you see an image, it's like, oh, that looks like, you know, one of Jesse's images or one of Alex's. And I think that's, that's like, that's so important because of the voluminous work people see every day. Definitely. Right. Like we're inundated with just muddy waters of images. And for me, I think that's super important. It's just to be readily recognized, you know, those sensibilities within the work and, and quickly too. Yeah. No, it's, it's like the hardest thing to do. It's like when you see a photographer that really has a perspective, like, like when you see a Chris Buck photo, you know, it's a Chris Buck photo or like a platon because this has their touch to it or whatever. It's their perspective, storytelling or color or whatever. Um, and one thing I've been thinking about lately, like you're mentioning, there's where this inundated with so much work um, as a photographer. Do you do you look at a lot of work? Do you think looking at too much work can almost kind of like impair your like process or like, how do you kind of view this, like the inundation of like images that we have on a day-to-day -day basis? Yeah. So that's a really good question. I mean, I think back to like when I was coming out of grad school, it was, so I, I, I graduated, I, I got out of school in 2003. So I've been doing this for a bit now. Mm -hmm. And I think about this a lot. Like we, like photographers were just starting to have websites. Yep. And I'm getting out of school at 23. So like, that's an interesting sort of formative process to not necessarily make work in a vacuum, but not, not to be so flooded. Yep. And I think, I think it's a balance of being aware of like the things that are happening, but I do think it would be hard being younger to not like really fall in these certain camps because you have all these tools, right? Like you have, you know, Instagram, it's hard to buy a bad camera. Instagram, Pinterest, whatever. Yeah. Pinterest, right. But then all the filters, like things start looking super homogenous. Yep. And that's always happened in photography. But at the, again, it's this voluminous level. And how do you sort of elevate above the noise, I think, is the trick that like all of us need to really think about. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I guess to go back, man, like, like how do you kind of initially get into photography? So I, my background was in drawing and painting, which I think a lot of that carries over like into the images I make, right? Like there's sort of this illustrative or this, these very sort of painterly qualities to the work. Mm -hmm. um, I was actually in high school when I got into photo, there was, I had like a, a drawing class that had to cancel or something. And then there's a photo class open and I was just like, yeah, I'll try that. And then I was just hooked, right? Like, we had a makeshift dark room in an old boy's bathroom, like maybe two enlargers. 
I think the largest easel is like an eight by 10. And just like, I know, I'm sure people talk about this on the podcast all the time, but there was that sort of like, that very romantic intoxicating magic that happened. Yeah. You know, developing your nicks, seeing things come out of the developer and that process in this sort of meditative way, I thought was just like, wow, this is, this is, this is cool. And I was 17 and this really sort of spoke to me. The more I started to do it, I really loved the level of expediency. I could work out ideas compared to other mediums, right? Especially at that age, um, which now when you think about it is such a slower process to how instant digital, social, your phone, whatever it is, yeah, but not that, that you, different. Yeah. Now that you mentioned that, now that I think back like the days when I was like using the dark room, cause this is like pre cell phone, pre MP3 player. Like when you went in the dark room, there were zero distractions. You were so focused. And nowadays it's oh, yeah. like getting pulled in a million different directions. Like I can't, it, 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 we're all this addicted to this phone shit. It's always on you. And now I think about always. it. I don't, yeah, I used to spend hours in the dark room with zero distractions. Oh, dude, the, the, the time warp of time warps, right? Like you go in and you're like, you're in the dark, you're in the red light and the safe light. And you're like, wow, eight hours just, <laughs> just flew. Yeah. And it was, and it was a really, you know, and I, I, I do miss that. I mean, I transitioned from shooting film about five or six years ago, exclusively to digital. Okay. And there's some things I miss about it. And, and, Damn, so only, again, five, only five years ago, so you're kind of a little hesitant on it then, it sounds like. No, I was shooting digital, but it was more of like the restriction of like the printmaking capabilities and the resolution of like affordable DSLRs, right? Yeah. Like, you know, to make a 32-inch high print for, for a gallery show, and it was, it was hard to not shoot your Mamiya 7 or a field camera. Because yeah. um, shooting, you know, like a Canon DSLR at the time was, it just didn't hold up. Um, but man, I, I don't miss spotting scans. <laughs> uh, you know, I like is you know that stuff. But that was 2015, 16, where I was, I was I was shooting digital. But at that point, I was like, you know what, the tech has come long enough to where no one knows the difference now, at least for like my audience. Oh yeah, and I could work faster and. And that's where I went, which is now it's funny because like you see, there's this massive shift back. Mm -hmm. I have zero interest. Yeah, me neither. I got I still got my house of blood and I'm going to be buried with that thing. But it's basically this a paperweight at this point. It doesn't do anything. <laughs> it's sad to say. Just it's, buried with it. <laughs> yeah, dude, it's sad to say, man. But I love that camera, but I just never shoot it. Like, I don't know. I I just like having one kit. Like I'm not some people can jump around with formats and stuff. I, I, I my mind just doesn't work that way. No, I think, I think, you know, I think it's easy to get sort of like in this nerdy sense to get like really drawn into like gear and all this stuff. And I'm like, man, if you just use one thing and you can move quick and I'd have to think about stuff and, and have a system, like to me, it's always about like speed and reacting and your thoughts, right? If you get too bogged down in the gear side of stuff, I don't know. I just think it complicates things. Yeah, definitely. For me, it's like like some of the coolest projects on your website. It's it's just interesting. It's not so much the technical aspect. It's like you had a cool idea. Like one I really enjoyed it was uh, you photographed your friends that were turning thirty years old. I think it was called like the class of uh, the class of ninety nine. Yeah, yeah. So that was so you mentioned Chris Buck earlier. So that summer I had worked with Chris 
Um, I went to one of the Santa, Santa Fe workshops and while I was in his class, um, you know, I started to talk to him and start concepting these projects. And that was a time too, for me where, so that's 2009, the recession, it's sort of like really taken hold and all, all my like ad work pretty much dried up. Yep. And so I was really in this space where I was looking back at my book and I was like, you know what? I'm just a glorified technician. These are other people's ideas, you know? I didn't really have any personal work at the time. My, my education was in the fine art side of photography and I just fell into doing ad work at a young age. Yep. And so, you know, working with Chris and then I just, I had that idea for the project and, and started, and that was sort of the start of me like really concentrating on the work being mine. Cause I, I, I did feel that I was a glorified technician just executing other people's ideas without my own sensibilities. And, you know, I went back for my 10 year high school reunion and sort of used that as an exercise to see not only where those 10 years took everyone, but also kind of a case study um, under which our generation was, was sort of, you know, just getting going in adulthood. And then like the, yep. the financial rug was kind of pulled out from everyone. Yeah. And were these- So like I worked on that for two or three years. And were these like back to the Midwest? Were these like friends that you like grew up with kind of in high school pretty much? That you a, a mix, you know, it was a mix of like friends and acquaintances. And you know, at this point, 2010, Facebook is like up and running pretty strong, or 2009. So just using Facebook and social to reconnect with people. Mm -hmm. It was kind of an interesting exercise because the people who I was really curious to see how they matured and, and the people I thought. I had a lot of promise. It was interesting to people that would turn me down necessarily. I, I could get a sense they didn't live up to that promise. You know what I mean? And then some people who had something to show off were like, oh, I'm all about it. Yeah. Um, I love this. That's one. sort of the, the dude with the value. Oh, yeah. So good. Thanks, man. Um, yeah. So the majority of these were shot in 2009. Um, and then in, in 2010, over two trips back to my hometown in Springfield, Missouri. And then I would you know, anywhere within a four or five hour drive, I would, I would go see people. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Cause like, how do you, how do your personal projects usually come about? Like, is it this kind of organically or, or do you ever this kind of like sit down and try to like this write ideas down or like, what's the process and like, how do your personal projects usually come to life for you, I guess? Yeah. I don't, I don't necessarily like push, like, like sit down and push the envelope and just like, Hey, I need it. It's just, it's really an organic process for me. I think, I think with a lot of, you know, people like us, you know, you always try to sort of keep your eyes and ears open. Yep. Um, and I also have gotten into the practice. I didn't used to do this when I was younger, but just like taking notes all the time, mm -hmm. you know, the older you get, like you think you're going to remember this great thought you had and then phew, all right, never to be, never to be seen or thought of again. So, I'm just always sort of looking and thinking, like seeing what might be interesting. Um, and that's, for me, it's always an, an issue about like time and execution than it is like the ideas, right? Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, I feel like having, having a plethora of ideas is, is good for me. It's always just finding the time and, and executing. But, you know, the projects start in one place and it's sort of a loose roadmap, but always allow myself to have, you know, some level of flexibility to pivot um, and kind of let it happen organically because you can be informed along the way. Yeah. 
Yeah. So don't force it. Yeah. Cause I'm like, I'm like in that, I don't know if you ever have these time periods where like, you know, when you got a good personal project going and you're like churning that you got that momentum going and you're producing work and you're like, boom, boom, boom. But now I'm kind of in that like gray area where I'm like trying to figure out my next thing. And I'm like, oh, totally. I, I just want another project. Cause I like that feeling of like having something to work on and keep like building on. But I'm just like, yeah, it's trying to figure out what it's going to be, but you know. Yeah, I, I think that can be tough. I mean, I, I go through bouts of that. I, I, you know, I, I, did, I started this Christmas project that I, I'm done with. And I started that in 2010. And I sort of had this fear because it became so well known. I was like, man, am I like the Christmas guy now? <laughs> and then like my beard's turning white. I'm like, oh. But, you know, the couple projects since then is sort of, <clears throat> they have a life of their own. And it's hard to think about trying to find the next best thing. And I think you'll just beat yourself up, you know, like you get it, you're sort of in between projects or ideas. Yep. And I also think too, just to like, just work ideas out. Like maybe that need to be perfectly sort of, you know, like they don't have to be so flushed out. And this, you know, the strive of perfection can just prevent any sort of growth. I think, you know, just keep it moving. Yeah, definitely, man. It's good advice. And, uh, like, when did you start thinking you wanted to pursue this as a career? And like, did you always envision yourself kind of doing editorial and commercial work? Obviously, you do finer work, too. But like, how did you kind of make that jump to actually like, hey, this is what I want to do for my life? Yeah, so, you know, I mentioned when I was 17. And then, you know, a year later, trying to figure out, you know, what I wanted to do for school. Um, my dad was like, you know, you could, there's professional photographers. And I was always like, you know, for me, like going into into some sort of creative field, it was always sort of this ambiguous, like, well, I don't know if, you know, to be a painter, like, it sounds so abstract. But the photography thing made sense and I loved it. So that's how I ended up at Arizona State. Um, and while I was there, I, I did an exchange, not an exchange program, but a study abroad program and started assisting photographers in London. Wow. Um, and, and there were fashion photographers. And, and so that was the first time that I saw that sort of collaborative process of like client and photographer and being in a, a studio and that energy. I just was like, wow, this is like this. Again, it was sort of that another magical moment of, hey, here's our brief. How do you bring this to life? Right. Like this this grand problem solving exercise that people trust in your sensibilities and your skill set. And so I came back, finished school, uh, assisted around here for about a year, and then went off on my own. And then I was in LA for a while. So that was sort of the trajectory, you know, and, and a lot of great people along the way, um, which I in turn try to be that person as well, like an open book, always had, I like to teach, I like to guest lecture. Um, Cause you know, I just, you know, sharing is caring. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I think like when I started out, though, it was a very like. No one to share a, anything. Well, the walls were up, right? It was this sort of good old boy club. I mean, not only the financial hurdles of like having to shoot eight by 10 transparencies and all these packs so you could light things. Yep. But there was a system to it. You know, you apprenticed, you, then you worked your way up to an assistant. Well, those walls are like almost all but gone. Mm -hmm. um, but I still think that like. And I enjoy sharing my experiences and, 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 you know, but that was the, that was the path, man. That was, I it happens kind of quick. Yeah. I agree, man. I think like, yeah, there's two, two, two lanes of thought. Like some people are like 
on the defense. They don't want to share anything, and they're very. They don't even want to tell you like who they work for, how they do anything. Or you can, I view it like you can play offense or defense. I'm gonna play offense. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna like whatever, man. Anybody, any whatever. I'm gonna drop 140 points. <laughs> whatever, man. Like I just want to be a part of the community and like you know, you know, if someone takes some work off me, that's fine. Like it's just, uh, I feel better about just like I feel like holding back is this like negative vibes like i'd rather just fucking help people out i agree with that and i think that if you're like in that like defensive standpoint because i think what we do innately can be can be sort of lonely at times Mm -hmm. um and when you're that way like you 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 prevent yourself of having a really supportive group of peers and that's one thing i think is really important for younger people is to have sort of a trusted peer group that you can, you know, even if you're down to the sequencing or, or, or looking at images for your final project or whatever, just something that takes your, gets you out of your comfort zone and people you trust. Because um, otherwise, it, it, you know, you can't do it all by yourself. No, definitely not. It's a team effort for sure. And uh, like, who were like some of the first clients you started working with once you kind of broke off on your own? Like, like what and like what kind of stuff were you shooting at that point? Because I know you mentioned you were assisting fashion photographers. Was that like an interest of yours, or it kind of, it, it it was at first, um, and I I enjoyed it. And then it, a lot of the work isn't it doesn't look that different than it does now. And I I enjoy doing this type of work, which I haven't as much lately, but there were very sort of like humorous conceptual, like like those jobs where you did like maybe two or three setups in a day, <laughs> which is now like blows my mind. Cause like, now it's like, like 35, <laughs> 25, 30. Yeah. Like something crazy. Um, I, and I kind of hope like U S American advertising goes back into that sort of humorous conceptual space. Mm-hmm. Um, I really enjoyed that. So some of the first clients were, uh, there were like regional, um, like healthcare stuff around Arizona. And then when I got to LA, I was doing more, um, sort of sport related stuff. Like my background, I was an, I was a football player. So I have always been a sports geek. And so to get into that was fun. So it was like the NFL, the ESPN, um, I had more success in the advertising world than editorial at first. It was just sort of a backwards, I don't know. And like, how are you getting that. your name out there? Because I think that like a lot of people listening, like they want you, you obviously had a successful career and gotten a lot of work for a lot of clients like ESPN, New York Times, Wired, accounts, yeah. companies. Like how, how, what kind of advice would you give to people that's trying to get on people's radar? That's like the hardest thing, you know? For sure. You know, I, I think, I mentioned something earlier, like don't wait for the work to be perfect or striving for perfection. I think if you can, if, if you can start your outreach as you're developing, cause it takes a while, right? It's like simple marketing, you know, people need five or six times to see your name or your work to remember you. Mm-hmm. And I think people enjoy seeing growth. So like, you know, get a body of work that you're comfortable with and, and confident with and proud of yep. start an outreach. I think, you know, which is another interesting time in, in COVID is that like some of that outreach and those prongs of attack, if you will, has been, you can't do it anymore. Uh, no, no. So direct like, like, yeah, don't know direct mail for me, you know, visiting and, and presenting my work to a department was always a big thing for me just because I enjoy talking about the work. Yep. Um, so, you know, I, I think email is important. Um, you know, mix of like spammy newsletters, but also like, 
really thoughtful personal emails, you know, reference the time that you've met someone. If you haven't, you know, do your research, know the type of projects you're working on, draw the connective line of why you think you could fit in that space. Um, And then when things get, when people get back to the office, I think, you know, printed pieces are great because it's not on a screen. Uh, You know, I think some of the pay to play portfolio events are probably good if you can afford it. Yep. Um, And I, you know, and depending on the type of work you're doing, and I know like in the editorial world, probably for our buyers too at agencies, is once you start working for some people, you get thrown in a database. It's a small community. Everyone talks. Yep. It's a big word of mouth thing that I don't think people realize. Like it's yeah, a it's like referrals. I need community some for refer- sure. Yeah, you do a good job. Someone's like, "Oh, you need a photographer in Arizona? Like hit up my my boy Jesse or whatever." Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, because like, have you ever had a point in your career? Like, did you ever kind of doubt yourself in this career path? Like, obviously, there's like ups and downs. Times when you're busy, times when it's slow. Like, did you always just kind of have the confidence that you would be able to succeed in this like obviously competitive career path? You know, I like that it's competitive just because I mentioned like my past life, I was an athlete and, and that drives me. I, I, I think in a, in a healthy way, not like in a spiteful way, but just yeah. in a, it's like, if someone's going to tell me, no, you can't do that. Then like, I'm going to find a way around that wall, either through it, below it, around it or over it. So, you know, that time in 09 with the slowdown, it was right as my career was going. And that was pretty hard. That was sort of like, I got knocked down and, and had to really pick myself up because things didn't come back for a while. It was a few years. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a trying time, but even like that experience gave me the confidence, even with the uncertainty of 12, like almost exactly 12 months ago, you know, it's like, this will pass. Just yeah. keep doing what you're doing. But I think, in any sort of creative space, like there's always a level of self-doubt. And, you know, I just, I just turned 40 this summer and I, I actually feel like I'm the most comfortable and actually finally don't have as much of an imposter syndrome, finally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I feel like, and I, and like I said, you know, I, 2005 or six was my first like decent ad work I was doing, like 14 years. Like that's wow. fucking stupid. That's like, great, man. But, you know, that's so any advice I would just say, you know, one, one thing I think is really important is to think about like what it is that you're selling, right? Like your work, like who you are, think about how you see the world and how that's unique to you. Mm-hmm. And no one else has those same life experiences. No one else has those opinions and make that your currency, make that, you know, it's easy to take a good photo. Yeah, it's hard to make it consistent and it to be like I said earlier, readily recognizable as yours, but really hone in on what you're trying to say and, and what it is that you want to share with people. Yeah, and if you if you're true to that and that like really gets you going, things will work out. Yep. Yeah, man, that's good advice. It's like having, I think having, <laughs> hopefully, man. <laughs> shit. <laughs> no, dude, it's, it's, it's just like having a perspective and like. I just view it, man. I'm, I'm a lifer, man. I'm like t- 12 years into this, man. I'm not doing anything else, dude. I'm just going to, I'm on this. Oh, I don't, I have no, I, I have no idea. Like, I mean, I have no idea what else I would like. No idea. Yeah. Um, and you know, I was excited to talk to you. You shot a recent cover for ESPN. I believe it was, was Devin Booker, the basketball player, right? Mm-hmm. How was that mm-hmm. process? Yeah. Um, so you, yeah, I was just going to say, like, what was kind of the process going into that shoot? Like, 
how involved is like ESPN with the creative uh, direction? Because it seems like you guys built some cool sets and stuff, but maybe you could just talk a little bit about the process of that shoot, I guess. So um, back over the summer, I was asked to do another cover, but because of the no travel, it was going to take place in Texas. And at the time, Nick Gallick, at, who's the senior photo, who handles a lot of the cover and, and celebrity work at ESPN, yep. I pitched some ideas um, about some interesting things to do. And with, with COVID in, in ESPN, which Disney owns them, there's a, there's a moratorium on, on travel for mm -hmm. now. So um, the one thing with this was uh, they, they came to me and, and I wanted to do something that felt like a lot of the work, you know, you were showing has this environmental sense to it of, you know, using these sort of architectural elements. And I was like, well, how can we, you know, build a set that has those sort of geometric vibes, those architectural elements. I see that like we were talking about the site, it's just like stalling out on you. So that's cool. It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, initially, I wanted to try this thing with projectors and about like the history of the suns because it's been a long time since they were good. And I thought it'd be cool to do this thing that was like these sort of moving portraits with like vintage imagery of, of the Charles Barkley sons to like the Ashton Stoudemire sons. And then there was rumors that Booker was gonna get traded. So what I want, so I was like, well, let's do something that's sort of more architectural. You know, I think for them, they wanted just something on seamless and I wanted to push it because I felt like for me, I needed some environmental elements to link that back to the work I make, right? And then I also wanted to, to really use light as this sort of, you know, with the motion components, use the light as it was almost sort of dancing on him. Yep. So these like really reflective qualities. So we, we experimented with all this mylar and creating what it, it ended up looking like almost like, like reflective pool light. Yeah, because were you shooting uh, strobes or was it like constant lights? So we were shooting strobes for the still work and then we, we were shooting, you know, hot lights for for the uh and we had run behind and you know you only get a little bit of time and so we had to all the the motion components which turned out great but we literally had to like bang that out in like seven minutes mm. um and then his people really wanted a photograph with him in his car outside of the studio and so you know we're losing daylight and we ran out to do and it actually you know i wasn't super big on the idea at first but it actually was a sort of nice counterpoint to the studio work um and with how involved ESPN was, they, they sort of trust, I've, I've worked with them for, for quite a while. And, you know, they lean on me sometimes for that, that creative direction. So I get to, you know, when the project comes up, I, I, I sort of formulate three or four ideas and they review. And then we build on whatever they feel would be strongest for their, you know, for their audience. Yeah, no, it came out, it came out great. And like, like, what's your, like, how do you approach like portrait shoots like that? Like, do you go in knowing exactly like how you want them to pose like are you mapping it out or is it more you're letting the subject kind of bring their vibe to it or like how how mapped out are you like in terms of like portrait shoots i guess so i i usually go in with a decent like again a roadmap. um it's, it's somewhat scripted um and usually too that's just because i also need to be mindful of like our shot list and how much time he's there but again, it goes back to the way that I work that it's sort of a, a marriage of like construction and then sort of reactionary documentary work. So I have, you know, a shot list and a script 
And then it sort of let them sort of be themselves and fall into the space with my direction. So you kind of have these more sort of stoic formal portraits, but then also like creating an environment. So he's, it's like facilitating these really nice moments. So it's not just all super heavy, you know, like it's kind of, I like to look at that work and, and portraiture. It's almost like music, right? Like you can't just have like a four to the floor, like measure and then yeah have no break or no chorus or no hook like you need something to sort of give you a break and so that's why it's nice to have a mix of the very sort of mysterious stoic images mixed with these sort of really beautiful human uh, moments and, and emotional responses yeah and so much of like portraiture is like out of your control like you can have whatever idea you want as a photographer but when your subject matter person you've never met before in your life shows up like it really kind of comes down to like how they're feeling what their personality is like and the, what they kind of bring to it oh for sure and, and and also too even on the back end of things is is you know those subjects have more control and and in, in the, the final selection that I think people realize. Mm -hmm. um, so it's always, I think now it's, it's, it's about, like I said, having a roadmap so you don't get lost in your own thoughts because you're, you know, the clock's ticking. Yeah. Um, but also so you can get a range because you don't know if, it, if it's all the same and, and they're not feeling it, but the magazine or the client is, that can be a problem. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like shit. No problem. Yeah. Fine. <laughs> All the boxes checked. Come on. Yeah, man. Uh, and you know, like I noticed you did a little bit of motion aspect of that. It's like the motion work, something you want to do more of. And like, do you, what's the kind of process with that type of work? Is it, are you trying to match it with your still photography or like how do you approach motion work? I guess. So, the, like one thing over COVID that I was sort of like, like everybody taking inventory of just like, all right, where's my strengths? Where's my weaknesses? And, you know, I admittedly had a pretty like, I had directed commercials back in the day and now they look dated and it's just un irrelevant. And mm -hmm. so, you know, with each editorial assignment that I've been getting, I've just been trying to like push the motion envelope and, and because the tech is so good that like, you know, you can shoot both pretty seamlessly. Yeah. So I've taken the time to, you know, last few months, like learn how to grade in DaVinci and just get, and just make it more of a autonomous process. Because I think for me, initially, the great thing about photo is that it can be so singular, like it's just you involved. And when, when motion's involved, there's a lot more players. Mm -hmm. So how can I still like see this from, inception to capture to completion and still have a, a, a hand in it um so so that's been really fun it's just feeling a lot more fluid and i think just a lot more versed from uh understanding capture to the post side of things and, and that's been really fun so i actually started a, a short film back in 2013 that i'm trying to finally finish wow um so that should be interesting uh, it was with, at the time, she wasn't really well known and she became this like famous model and she, she then transitioned um, and his name is Nathan now. And so eight years have passed and when we initially shot it, um, he was 16, 17 and now he's, you know, transitioned and now he's, shit, I guess like 24. Yeah. So we're talking about like ways to sort of 
make this real surreal film that sort of speaks to his transition and um, and all this time has passed too, which I think is is really a, a fun thing. I think about time a lot, yeah. like time almost like a medium. Yeah, definitely. Because yeah, yeah, you look you look at now. That I think about it, you say that you look at like we talked about it. Your high school reunion, not reunion, um, like ten years later, they're turning. Yeah, yeah, totally. And then even like um, the the project about like uh, you photographed like. Uh, like the malls, the empty malls and shopping plazas that are all empty. Right. Now. And that's, that's, that's really, when you think about it, it's like a time thing too. It's like, it's like time standing still kind of. It is. And, and, and think, and I've been thinking a lot about time as like, again, when you sort of like have a moment to think about your work and, and think about like the medium of photography, but what are you really using? Right. Like, is it light? Is it color? And I've been thinking a lot about time, like the passage of time, it's also as much of an element as, as a photographic capture as, as light, you know, mm -hmm. like your shutter speed. It's, you're sort of stealing something in this, this moment of time that like might've gone in unnoticed, but now yeah. it's, you put it on a pedestal so you can, you have to be maybe a little extra careful or show more care to this sort of stolen moment. Mm -hmm. So I've been thinking a lot about time, um, which that film I think will be another exercise in really sort of formalizing that concept. So you'll end, so you shot some back in 2013 and then you think you'll mm -hmm. end up shooting new footage now? Yeah, yeah. So that's what we're trying to trying to do. Have a it's it's beautiful stuff. And now I just have to figure out, you know, we shot it for one reason, and now, you know, his life's changed a lot. And um, so sort of reconcepting around his journey and what we have captured the existing work and come to something that is hopefully pretty special. No, that's really exciting. It's uh, yeah, time is an interesting thing. Do you ever random thought? Uh, did you ever see the movie Boys? Let's hear it. Did you ever hear the movie? You ever I, like letters? No, I, I haven't seen it. I, I'm aware of it because he started that. What was it shot over? Like was it 15, 20? Yeah, years? dude, it's like 15 years or something, and it was just so interesting because it goes back to the time thing. It wasn't that like you know like certain movies or certain photographers they'll lean more on like a technique or like a style or something but he the whole movie is the why it's so powerful is like wow that guy spent 15 years working on that and it's just uh it, it just stood out you know i i think yeah no that's that's interesting i think it's also some of my own personal obsession with like time like it's it's just i heard this quote one time it's like the it's the one thing that no matter like how wealthy you are, you can never buy back, mm -hmm. you know? And maybe it's just like, you know, turning 40 and COVID and that introspective of, of like, you know, who knows? Like I'm probably on the, you know, second half of, of whatever life this is. And, and just thinking about like how you want to look back at everything when it's said and done. Like, yeah. you know, did you utilize it as, as, as most you can, but also, you know, one thing that's changed from the beginning of my career till now is I feel like I have a lot more responsibility um, and different things from just the way the industry is, the volume of work that you have to do, the social side of things, the marketing side, and just how to be efficient and not be a slave. Yeah. I can work way too much. I work. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. It doesn't turn off, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because like when you think back about like early in your career, like are the same things that like are, that interest you or motivated you like are different from now? Like, are your are your goals a lot different now when you view like what interests you in photography? I guess if that makes sense at all. This like because when I, like when I started out, I was like, damn, I want to like 
I want to shoot for X, Y, and Z client. And I want to do this and that. And now I think for me, it's not so much about clients. It's more like just making cool work and like doing stuff like that. But like, do you feel like from looking back at the beginning of your career to now, like what, what, what is important to you as like an artist, I guess? Yeah, I think that's interesting. You know, I mean, you kind of hit the nail on the head. Like when you start out, you have, you have these benchmarks that you feel might like satisfy your, your goals or, or, or who you are. Uh, and, and a lot of that, that validation I can, I guess can come from certain clients, mm-hmm. but what if the work's garbage? Yeah. What if you have no, con- I mean, you, sometimes you have no control. So what are you really leaving, right? Like what, what's, what's the legacy? And I think, I think that's my, more of my motivation is, is just doing something that leaves something behind uh, where, yeah, just sort of like leaving something, right? Like it's less about like, you know, so much of what we do is, is like taking, right? Like yep. you're taking an image. I mentioned earlier, you're stealing a moment. But what, you know, what are you trying to say and what is it something that hopefully people look back and it's some sort of interesting moment in time with an interesting voice mm-hmm. that motivates me, yep. um, which, you know, at 25, fuck, I don't, I couldn't have had those thoughts. Yeah. Like, even if you're going to torture it out of me, like you just, the maturity wasn't there, yeah, you know, man. or the no. insight. No, for sure. No, it's interesting to think about. And I guess, um, I guess on the business side, like, how do you, how do you balance like art and commerce? Because that's one thing that I respect about your work is that you, you obviously gotten to work with some like cool commercial clients, but it's not too like, like a lot of times, like, like advertising work can get very like lifestyle-y and very corporate-y, but you seem to have kind of struck a balance of like your artistic approach and like still managing career, working with commercial clients, I guess, like, how do you balance those two? Yeah, I think, you know, I, I, I wrestle with that because I look at, there's a lot of lifestyle work out there and, and people do really well doing it. Yeah. Um, I, I, I know personally that it's, it's, it's challenging for me. Like it doesn't feel good for me mm-hmm. just in a sense of not that it doesn't feel good. It just doesn't inspire me. Like it's not, really speaking to those core sensibilities of of who I am as, as a creative person. Mm -hmm. Um, But I do think that there's ways still though to do conceptual work that has some of those lifestyle, like, you know, you can find elements in my work that still feel genuine and, and emotive and, and connected, but it doesn't feel so over the top. Yeah. The two worlds I think are sometimes hard to manage. Um, I think, as you know, we're always in the sort of like, fever pitch of like worrying about being relevant and staying in front of people. And it's this rush and it's chaotic, right? Mm -hmm. For clients, editorial, commercial brand, the art world moves a lot slower, a lot slower. So it's sort of like putting on those different hats and, and, and understanding at which the speeds change and being more patient with one, but still being able to sort of dial up and and engage with the other. Mm. It, it, it does, it, if anything that I do, when you ask if I feel like I have, you know, multiple personalities, it's those two things, not because of the work, yep. because the audiences move at different speeds. Definitely. Um, you know, right now I'm sort of in the process <clears throat> of, of 
finalizing a home for a couple of projects um, in book form, mm -hmm. and then actively <clears throat> trying to find uh, you know gallery representation and engaging with <clears throat> those communities and working currently working with a few galleries, but sort of just expanding um, into that world. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, like I I want to make the work that like that I want to make and and then get commissioned to make work that speaks to that and not, you know, and not being in a place where I was younger and just taking work because you have to. Yeah. Like that's the dream, right? Yeah, for sure. And like how- Like taking things where you're just like, that's going to be color. Like, I can't wait to do it. And there's other <laughs> times you're just like, that's a paycheck. Can't wait for it to be over, you know? And there's, and that's, you know, and you hope to be that fortunate for the, you know, to not have to rely on the ladder. Mm -hmm. um, but honestly, man, like, I just feel, I feel super lucky to even like be doing this for, you know, like Definitely. a good amount of time. And it's the best fucking job, man. I can't so. imagine. It's it's literally the best it fucking is. job. Like, no, it's crazy. No. And if you don't no, and I, I always, I think about like, do people not realize how amazing this is? Like, how, how are you not so like, how are you not more amped about this? It's <laughs> yeah. so good. It's so good. But I think it also can be like, and this like suits my personality. It's, it's, I'm not a, like an absolute person, but it's like kind of all or nothing. You know what I mean? And, it, and it's the highs and lows, just like, it just works for me. Yeah, man. It's just same. very motivating. Yeah, definitely. And you know, I've been having this conversation a lot with people, uh, a lot of photographers, this debate, should I have a rep? Should I not have a rep? What do you think? I know you have a rep, like, I guess like, what is your experience? What made you want to partner with a rep? And like, what, what were you kind of hoping um, they would kind of bring to the table for you, I guess? So I've, I've actually worked with someone throughout most of my career with some gaps in between mm -hmm. being on my own. Um, I, I will say that I think, I think there was always this sort of, um, maybe this is how the industry used to work is that like you have a rep, they just bring you work. Like you just sit back and do nothing, which I'm sure that's probably how it used to be is, you know, you had like, I, when I started out like assisting, there was like two source books, you know, they were like this thick. And that was like every shooter in the country. It's like, here's everybody in the West coast. Here's everybody in the Midwest and the East. Yeah. And that's, you just go in this directory and you find someone that's it. Like that was how you got someone. Um, so I, you know, for me, what's, what, what I enjoy about it is, is that um, I'm with Anderson Hopkins now, yep. and, um, which we, we signed, I guess, about a year ago, right before COVID. So that, that was kind of an interesting thing too, is starting that relationship and then everything sort of pausing and, and not, and also a lot of like, maybe your audience or photographers know this, but, you know, in the initial part of COVID, it was real touch and go about like messaging, like, should I be sharing work? Like what's really important right now? So yeah. that was like, that was kind of tough just because I, we didn't really, it was sort of this like changing, the goalposts kept shifting about like what we're doing. First, we're just fielding a ton of stock requests. And yep. so I feel like, you know, up and we're just sort of, I mean, we've been working together, but it's, it's now that things are starting to feel like we're just getting going, even though it was a year ago. Mm -hmm. um, but to answer your question, I think for, a, a, you know, signing with, with a rep at one, and everyone's gonna tell, tell you this, that it brings a level of validation. Is it necessary? No. Hmm. Um, it helps me just because <clears throat> I'm shooting so much personal work 
and doing things on my own, that it's nice to have someone that can really take over and handle production and some of the granular things in the estimating process and just to like stay on top of me. Mm-hmm. For me, that's super important just because I'm doing different things all the time. Yeah. Um, and it's just another, like, it's another entity that's out there pushing your work and, and you know, and, and just being present and being visible. Yeah. And like, how long was that process from the initial, like you started talking with them to the point you actually signed with them? Like, was it like years, months? Like, no, it was actually pretty quick. So um, before that, I was with Sunday Afternoon, which was um, founded by artists and um, owned by artists. Um, Love those guys, still friends of mine. Um, And after, after some time, the beginning of last year, I just felt like, you know, we've done what we can do, you know, and kind of wanted to just try something else. And so I started to started to look around and they were, they were super responsive to my work. Um, and then, you know, it was pretty quick actually, which I know is not normal, mm-hmm. um, but you know, it's been great. Like, you know, I like Sunday, uh, this, you know, Anderson Hopkins is great. There, it, it's a very sort of family vibe, you know, John's daughter Echo, is sort of, you know, and Hannah are the, the younger agents and Stephanie and John founded it. And then they have in-house production and they've got yeah. um, a woman who handles like social. And so it's just, it's nice. It just feels like you have sort of a family to lean back on, which I'm kind of usually in my studio alone all day <laughs> with my thoughts. So yeah, it's man. nice to have like a work family. No, nah, it's good. Back I in think New York. I, and I think I realized like talking to so many photographers, like, some people need certain different things from reps. Like some people just want like someone to be there, like, like cheering them on, like helping them like organize and stuff. Another person wants like help with marketing. And it's, 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 I think I realized it's just like different from everybody, what they need from their rep, you know? Yeah. And I think it's also to your own expectations. Like, what do you want out of this? Um, how's this going to help you? Um, yeah. And like, and I love the roster and, just it just you know i was talking to a handful of people and they felt like that was i felt like it was it was the best fit yeah man, and I'm, I'm happy with it yeah, yeah it's great, great photographer my boy my boy clay breezy's up on the on the roster over there clay patrick uh, yeah great, great yeah great. yeah yeah great actually guy. you know i was i was looking through um the podcast when you reached out realized that like half our roster has talked to you <laughs> yeah so ramona it's really solid yeah for a lot of people i didn't realize it until i looked at it today actually <laughs> um yeah I think just Justin, I think did one. Um, but yeah, oh, yeah, it's, Batman, it's, yeah, yep. That's a good amount. Yeah, it's wild. Um, a couple more questions. I'll let you go. I don't want to take up your whole day, um, dude. I'm, it's Friday. Like I'm good. <laughs> all right, cool, cool. It's a good uh, mandate. Ah, uh, yeah, you know, yeah, Friday yeah, afternoon. That's it's, it's warm enough weather here, man. So I'm chilling. Uh, <laughs> one project on your website I was interested in talking about. It's called Stalking a Serial Killer interesting yeah. series of pictures i was curious like what was that all about was it an assignment or so that was an assignment um and sometimes like an assignment will like start a process and then it grows into something a little bigger mm-hmm. and uh so back in the which i get god it's been over four years now back in 2016 during the election um society is sort of like it's a it's a french magazine it's it's like an esquire meets newsweek mm-hmm. um they thought that this story about a serial killer out here was sort of embodied what was happening in like u.s politics right so you have 
immigration reform, um, dysfunctional policing and black and brown communities, mental health, gun violence. And so, and, and I'm revisiting like the, the, the crime scenes and, and creating work like you can see here where I'm, on, and so he was shooting innocent people from his car. Wow. And so what I wanted to do was recreate like his perspective, but also going to the scenes and then working with the reporter and uh, her sources was, I was then starting to extract these quotes that you see and Juan Carlos Bagan, who's one of the owners at Sunday Afternoon, he created this typeface that felt sort of, was, was sort of dark. And, and I created this uh, kind of like a singular voice of the neighborhood mm -hmm. and we made these books. So it's like, like each image then has a quote with his typeface um, about the paranoia, about the distrust of, of police. You know, you had people not cooperating with police because of fear of their immigration status. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, that started off as an assignment and then we made these books. Um, Buzzfeed did a write up about it, did well in the annuals. Um, actually, I think I have one. Oh, sorry, I don't need to run out. That's all right. But, you know, what I like about this work and a lot of my work, and you mentioned the new Wired stuff that I'm about to release, is that, you know, with using, you know, light and color and creating these, these sort of beautiful scenes with these sort of like darker context makes it even more surreal. Yeah. You know, like the low hanging fruits, like the ruined porn, and it's like, oh, dark and scary. I like taking sort of my visual language and applying it to, those subject matters because it does sort of present this situation that feels even more like a, a, a that makes it like a daydream meets a nightmare yeah definitely you know what i mean where things shit's all confusing yeah yeah it all kind of makes sense like you, it almost has a similar vibe like at least approach to the the mall the mall photos and stuff they were shooting sure. yeah did they end up ever finding the, the the shooter the guy who was so there was there was one, they thought it was sort of a cold case because the person that, that was in question, um, they thought was killed in a botched robbery attempt. Okay. And then there's somebody that is awaiting trial now. And I'm actually, I'm, I should read into sort of what's happening with that. I'm not super sure. Yeah. Yeah, because they I mean, find, it, you should reach out and try to photograph his portrait, man. That'd be gnarly. Like, yeah. Yeah, that'd be cool. I mean, it was such an interesting thing because like in these neighborhoods, you know, and he was a person from the neighborhood, right? That's like I said, largely Hispanic, African-American. Um, and just feeling that like that paranoia of, you know, when, he, when is he going to be back? Mm -hmm. Even shooting during the midday, like it just, you could feel it. And that was a super... It's, it's sometimes it's, it's a great, it's a, it's a really exciting challenge to take that feeling and somehow create that two-dimensional visual facsimile and share it back to the, to the world. Yeah, definitely. And with like assignment work, like what's your mindset these days? Like obviously you've done a ton of assignment work for all types of clients. Like when you get the assignment, is it excitement? Is there nerves? Are you anxious? Or like what's like your mindset or mood going into assignment work, I guess? Yeah, so I always do like a good amount of like groundwork and just know that um, 
you know, like the, like even my approach to portraiture, it's like, I have a roadmap, you know, I've, I've talked to the photo editors about like a shot list, but also about the feel, you yeah. know, like I really want to like get in tune with like, you know, where's the, what is the writer presented in her experience? And cause a lot of times now, like with COVID, like the writer is not traveling anymore. So like you're trying to, or you're not together. So it's like, it's nice to see a draft before, mm -hmm. but that's not always ready. Yep. So it's really just getting in that like, okay, high level stuff. What is the feeling? What is the concept? Create a shot list, share it, approve it. And then just have that in mind and, and, and then just let the day or days sort of unfold. And, you know, for me, it's any, any assignment I try to shoot for myself to have like a really solid standalone portfolio that like, Hey, this is, you see all my personal works in these long-term projects, but this is what I can do for you in a day yep. and tell the story. Even if they only run <clears throat> seven or eight images, I can still come back with, you know, an edit of 20 that's like no filler that I'm super excited about and taking those opportunities and that access to create something for yourself. Definitely. Yeah. I, I've been thinking about access that. is hard. Access is hard now. Like people are not cool with people photographing shit anymore. Like it's yeah. like, it's confrontational and to yeah. have access into a world that you normally wouldn't make, make the most of that. Yeah. Like last week I had an assignment for Brown uh, university, one of their yeah. medical magazines and all it was, they wanted like pictures of like interiors of the classrooms, but it was like the laboratories. And I was just like, at first you're like, Oh, that's kind of like boring. Like I don't really shoot interiors, but then I was like, no, nah, fuck that. I'm like trying to try to go in there and like get something out of it. And it's like, however you need to like do it. Like, it's like, let me get another thing for my website or whatever, you know? No, I, I think that's super important. That's one thing that like starting out, I wouldn't have like, you know, that's, that's great advice to anyone that watches or listens to this is like, man, take that access is, is huge. Like that access and something that you're interested in yeah. is going to go way further than this editorial day rate. Yeah. So, don't, don't scoff. Know, at maximize it. that. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, yeah, sure. I, I think I, I'm glad I, you said that. I'm yeah, glad you said that. I only remember it because I, when I when I talked to Dan Winters, he said that he's like, yeah, man, if someone calls me to photograph a piece of coal, he's like, a lot of people would just kind of like brush their nose up at that. But he's like, he's like, no, nah, I'm going to make the best picture of a piece of coal that's ever been taken. And I was like, oh, oh yeah, fuck. Yeah, yeah that's 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 I mean, that's how I feel like I I love taking something that just seems like the most boring mundane thing and just polish that turd to like, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? Like, but to me, that's like, that's, I think the strength of my work, right? It's like, it's observational in a way that like, you know, I see, I see things and transmit that back yep. different ways than other people. And that works for me. Definitely. And I know that's a strength of mine and it's fun. Right. Definitely. Yeah. Because like, I keep, I keep blinking the name of the project, but the mall photos, the series, uh, the retail, yeah, yeah. the retail stuff, like urban decay has been photographed a million times. Like it's so popular. Not, you see not every, interesting. Yeah. Not every, interesting. Yeah, yeah. Every kid's done it in college. Like they're fr freshman year. But like when I looked at yours, you, the thing that stuck out to me, we go back to it again. It wasn't that you're shooting like urban decay and all these malls. It's like, you were thoughtful in the color of the malls you were shooting. Like I'm sure like the area and the color in those malls, that's why it stuck out more than any of the other like urban decay type photos I've seen, you know? Yeah. And, and, and that's another thing, like you're talking about, like what Winters was, Winters was saying about the coal is that 
you know, shooting these, you know, very sort of even like the industrial side of the project or the, the new space is used for yeah. um, for e-commerce. It's like there's no windows. It's super like it just has no human feeling to it. But it's like, okay, well, how do I make this as beautiful and celebratory as possible? Mm -hmm. And that's a fun exercise, right? And that's, again, utilizing what I said earlier, like those ingredients of light and color and pushing this into this like very illustrative space that's that you wouldn't expect. And did you, when you're working on that, did you go to certain malls or shopping centers that you tried to photograph that just like didn't work? They didn't, you went there and shot it, but at the end of the day, it just didn't make the edit or? So, yeah, for sure. And, and with that work, I was also being like super mindful of like my lighting conditions mm -hmm. and like scouting, knowing what time, you know, and, and waiting for that time where there's just like a little bit of, of sort of that hazy diffuse light because, you know, you can't light these spaces, obviously no. they're so large. And so, you know, using that as, as an influencer to create that, that look and that, yeah. that carries over through all of them. Um, it was really calculated, but there's a lot of stuff that hasn't made it in and the, and the project's growing, yeah. um, which, you know, the projects that I showed you from the New York times going inside of the mall for the auction, it's, it's taking that foundation of that work yeah. and then bringing that inside has always been something that like, is the, you know, I want that to be the next progression. Like no, yeah, going that inside. Be, yeah. I love that series. Have you, uh, have you seen this documentary on Amazon? It's called Jasper mall. Yeah. You got to check it out, dude. It's right up your fucking alley. It's it's okay. called Jasper Mall. It's about this mall, like one of those. It's like a dying mall in this small town, Jasper, Alabama. And the okay. whole documentary, it's not like this crazy story. It's literally just about this like dying mall, the people that work in it, <laughs> like the janitor and the kids. But like from your I think you really enjoy it. Definitely check it out. It's called Jasper Mall. Yeah. And it, it's funny you say that because like. I wouldn't have thought that was the project that was going to sort of like erase the Christmas guy. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. But it has. And, and it was just sort of like, it, it just sort of evolved into this, this thing that it is now. And, but I think about a lot of like the motivation of that project, it is this metaphor for like our change by way of accelerating or accelerated change by way of technology, right? Like not only the way we shop, but like how we communicate, how we gather, what it means to be a community, but also like, you know, if you grew up in the seventies or the nineties, like that was a big part of, of an American experience. Yeah, man. Going to the mall, getting your uh, orange Julius, maybe some aunt Annie's pretzels, man. That was a day. Yeah. Was <laughs> no. And, and, and what you're saying though, is, is that it's this shared experience, no matter you know, I'm from the Midwest, you're from the Northeast, right? Yep. You know, and, and you're Southern California, like all of these places, you have this sort of interesting shared experience and we're watching it sort of die in real time. And it's, and it's also sort of a commentary too on sort of like the wealth gap because like class A malls, you know, luxury brand malls are just, they're killing it. Yep. But the regional, the, the malls that you and I grew up, those are going to be gone in five, 10 years. Yeah. Five the one, years. the one near me in a town that it was a mall that had been there forever. Um, like some medical supply company just bought it and they turned it into like, their like warehouse slash, like, like office space pretty much is was interesting. Yeah. There's actually, um, in Burlington and Vermont, I'm trying to figure out how to go. So this Macy's that closed is now being used as the high school because the high school had to close because of some environmental issue. Yeah. So now they're having high school class with like, 
in the background. It's like this Michael Kors post. Like it's it's so dystopian. It's perfect. Bro, the one down the street for me that I grew up to, going to as a kid, I uh, went there like maybe like last year before COVID. They were they had the top floor. They were teaching people how to learn how to be um, car dealers to go work at, at a casino. I walked by. I was like, wait, what is this going on? Here? <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. I, I mean, it's just it's so much space that you're like. Anyway, yeah, there's, yeah, I don't know. All right. Uh, I had to ask, you know, as I'm a newly uh, addicted golfer and you had the opportunity to photograph Dustin Johnson for Adidas, like, um, how is it working on that project? And like, what is it about sports you enjoy photographing, I guess? Yeah. So I, you're newly addicted. I just played yesterday. I, I actually used to play a lot. So I, I, I get the, I get the addiction. It's real. All right. Um, so that that was super cool and you know like i said my background is in sports as a kid in college and then um looking for ways to like sort of marry because i was like the art jock you know (laughs) so like trying to take those you know all of those elements and and find sort of beautiful artful ways to like shoot sports is really fun for me yeah And, and there's and it's happening now it's happening in real time um Dustin was cool. So that was with Xander Schauffel and Sergio Garcia. Um, what was cool about that was that it was it was in St. Louis, which like that's the area I'm, I'm I grew up outside of there, but all my family's from there. So to go back there and see family friends and and to work that job was was really great. It was a really hot Missouri sweaty weekend. It was after the PGA Championship, so all the players are there, and that's when they do their sponsor work. Okay. Um, I, uh, I took a, I took a ball off the forehead from Sergio Garcia, which was pretty dope. Oh shit. <laughs> yeah. It was just like one of those like sand trap shots where you're low and you want the sand going over the lens and it got you. Yeah. And it's funny. Cause you know, it's like those jobs are just shooting a lot and it's like, you can go back and see the frames and he knows immediately that it's going to be bad. Cause he's like, just like, you can see his face mm-hmm. and then me just getting plunked. Yeah. That was a great experience. I, I like shooting sport brand work because a lot of it is kind of like my personal work or editorial, just because it's like so much of it is reactionary mm-hmm. and sort of documentarian in a sense. It's like, oh, we've established exactly where we're shooting. So that's the constructive part, but then we're reacting and, and, and just letting them enact out there who they are and, 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 and those athletic movements. And it's, I, I enjoy it a lot. No, it was, it was a great series. I like that they had this one with black and white. It was really a really cool series of foot pictures. Um, but I guess to wrap up, man, like what's next, dude? What's got you inspired right now? Like any goals for the year? Like what, what's next for Jesse, man? Yeah, so right now, um, again, just trying to get this, uh, get these, these, these book situations finalized. Um, and this spring, doing some collaborative work. Um, me and a friend of mine, Shane Griffin, doing, um, he's a CG artist. So like doing these still and, and motion captures um, and combining elements of CG to do something sort of fun and special. Um, and then after that, man, that's just trying to shoot some portfolio work and keep working on these. These I have another personal project that I've sort of had in the sort of just waiting to be seen. It started in 2012. Yep. Um, finishing that up so hopefully have that all finalized going into the summer uh and that one's really rooted on like 
I'm from, you know, where I'm from in the country and sort of the love of country, but also how strange things are in this very sort of surreal Americana sort of way. So right on. Well, Jesse, man, this is a real pleasure, man. I really like this one, man. You're easy to talk to, dude. So I really yeah, appreciate you too, you. man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I really appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I felt honored. So there you have it. That was the Jesse Reeser interview. I uh, just want to thank Jesse so much for taking the time to come on the podcast. It was a real pleasure talking about his work. Uh, like I said, I just really enjoyed uh, Jesse's approach to like his use of color and uh, all his personal work and his balance of like art and commerce. He, I feel like he strikes a really good balance of kind of uh, both worlds and just does really interesting work. Um, so definitely go check out Jesse's website at jessereaser.com as well as his Instagram, at Jesse Reeser. Uh, I'll put the links in the descriptions, but definitely go give him a follow. He's always posting up cool photos on uh, different projects he's working on and whatnot. And also, just remember, uh, if you want to check out uh, pickdrop.com, the new uh, file transfer tool I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, um, really great file transfer tool. I've been using it for a while. Um, easy to uh, drag and drop your photos to share with your clients and um, this is a really easy place to kind of streamline your workflow. You know your photos are there. Um, and with today's podcast, if you go to pickdrop.com and enter the promo code PHOTOBANTER, one word, you'll get three months free of the PickDrop image transfer tool. Um, so definitely go check it out and let me know what you guys think. But like I said, I've been using it for a while um, and can't recommend it enough. Um, so thanks so much and for listening. And as always, I'll be having weekly podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, as well as the Photo Banter YouTube page. Um, so definitely go check us out on YouTube. Hit the subscribe button. That would be much appreciated. And uh, yeah, thanks so much for listening and take care.